When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Starfleet Leadership Academy, a Star Trek podcast told through the lens of leadership development. And now, here's your host, Jeff Aiken. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for coming aboard. We have a good one today where we will be learning leadership lessons from an unexpected source. See what I mean as we dive into the 14th episode of the sixth season of The Next Generation, Face of the Enemy. We open up in a dark room with ominous music. Sounds like Troy waking up with a bad headache. Head on. Applied directly to the forehead. Head on. Applied directly to the forehead. She looks Head in the on. mirror. She's a Romulan. We're on a Romulan warbird, the Kazara. Subcommander Novak comes to Troy and, and he knows exactly who she is. He explains that she was abducted from a conference and surgically altered to appear to be Romulan. Her identity? Major recall of the Tal Shiar. This is actually the first mention or appearance of the Tal Shiar in all of Star Trek. This is an organization that will have huge impacts in Deep Space Nine, Picard, and, and all kinds of other Star Trek. He gives her the orders for the plan, but really doesn't explain m- much else. You're on a need-to-know basis, and you don't need to know. They're going to fool the commander of the ship to complete some clandestine operation. Troy, ultimately seeing no alternative, reluctantly agrees. We meet Commander Toreth as the ship is taking on cargo. Troy kind of struggles to find her footing here, but she's able to use her empathy to read the situation and adapt. Wouldn't that be cool if we had that tool in our toolbox, huh? Well, Toreth buys into the ruse. She complains that the cargo that was brought in is for the Tal Shiar and that she hasn't been made privy to its contents. Toreth immediately establishes herself as a leader among her crew. I am responsible for the safety of this ship and its crew. She then stands up for them, talking about the brutal methods of the Tal Shiar. I'm sure that every person on the bridge of this ship could offer testimony about personal experiences with the Tal Shiar. But I doubt that many could recall those encounters as tender and caring. This will be an interesting episode because Tereth is going to be the one providing us with most of our leadership examples and lessons. Already here, she's demonstrating that she's willing to put herself at risk, both professionally and personally, to protect her crew. After their back and forth, she ends up complying with Troy. God, poor crew. It's a good thing she's standing up for them because they're all standing up. There aren't any chairs on this bridge. You're never ever going to catch me sitting in no chairs. On the Enterprise, they're taking on a human that defected to the Romulan Empire. After 20 years, he's decided to turn himself in. Riker immediately places Ensign DeSeva under arrest for treason. Ensign DeSeva, by order of Starfleet Command, I am placing you under arrest for treason. He complies. He comes on board wearing a Romulan uniform that Riker immediately tells him he doesn't want to see him in again. Also, we get confirmation here that the Romulans literally offer only one option for a haircut. (laughs) Poor guy. He insists that he's able to meet with Picard as soon as possible. Commander, I must speak with Captain Picard. 
He says he has a very, very urgent message and intelligence for him. They meet up. Picard keeps his voice low and calm, showing, showing respect for DeSeva and, and, for the, and for the message he's anticipating. At ease. It's Captain, actually. DeSeva says he has a message from Ambassador Spock. You see, about a year before this episode, we learned Spock, Federation ambassador to the Romulan Empire, was running a covert op to unite the Romulans and the Vulcans. They share a, they share a common ancestry. DeSeva says that Spock requires more cowboy diplomacy from Picard. They'll need to pick up some cargo from the same place, ironically, that Troy has commanded the Kazara to go to. They don't know that at this point. Picard listens closely to DeSeva, but also tries to understand why he chose to defect, and now has chosen to return. In order to know whether Ambassador Spock's message is being delivered accurately, I need to understand something about the messenger. He calmly asks questions. He doesn't appear to be passing judgment of any kind. His, his body language suggests he's upset and frustrated with DeSeva, but he, but he doesn't do or say anything to, to confirm that. He ultimately demonstrates his belief and, well, maybe the beginning of trust in him as he orders the ship to the Caleb sector as quickly as possible. On the warbird, Novak is going to show Troy what the cargo is and reveal a little more about what they're doing. We learn more about the terrifying reputation of the Tal Shiar here as the crew not only listen to Troy, but are absolutely terrified of her. They're terrified of me. The purpose of the Tal Shiar is to ensure loyalty. To defy them is to invite imprisonment or death. Nevek opens a cargo container, and there, lying in stasis, is Vice Proconsul Moret and his aides. They're defecting. Nevek is revealed as part of Spock's movement as well. This defection could ultimately pave the road for thousands and thousands more. Nevek explains a little more of the plan. He doesn't share too much with Troy and explains that's for her own protection. For your own sake, Counselor, the less you know about the specifics of this plan, the better. But the fact that she's a Starfleet officer is a part of his contingency plan. What he does share is they're meeting some mercenaries. They're going to transfer the cargo to them. He doesn't share uh, this part with Troy, but we've kind of seen the other part of the plan. The Enterprise is then going to meet with those mercenaries and retrieve the defectors. Troy, or recall, and Navek head to the wardroom to have dinner with the commander and her senior staff. Now, this episode came out in early 93. Uh, while the Cold War had ended, it was still very much a part of our culture. With a lot of the viewers of this series having grown up in the 70s and 80s, it, it really took some time for it to not be a nearly all-consuming part of our lives. In 1990, the epic film The Hunt for Red October came out. I remember buying this on VHS and the cassette was red. Pretty cool marketing. But this was a submarine movie about a Soviet submarine captain with a complex secret plan to defect to the United States along with new Soviet technology. There are a number of similarities between that film and this episode. Obviously, the general theme of defection, which was a very real thing during the Cold War. Some. And some notable people that came to the West during that time were Milos Forman, known for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. There's the Tony Award-winning Natalia Makarova, tennis superstar Martina Navratilova, and Mikhail Baryshnikov, the famous dancer and actor. But it wasn't one-sided. Just like Deseva defected to the Romulans, others defected to the Soviet Union or Soviet-influenced areas as well. 
Some historical accounts suggest it did not go very well for most of them, though. One of the famous, well, infamous examples is Lee Harvey Oswald. He defected to the Soviet Union in 1959, but returned to the United States in 62. In the movie, Ramius, the Soviet captain, was going to offer the Soviet technology, the, the submarine itself, the Red October, to the United States. In this episode, it's more about opening the doors for others as much as it is about the personnel that are defecting. I think that early brainstorms on the script had a Romulan ship coming with the defectors, much like the film, but that didn't end up making it into the episode. <laughs> Look at that. Apparently, this is also the Starfleet Historical Academy. In reality, though, the Cold War specifically is referenced a lot in Star Trek. I mean, there's a lot to unpack from that time. Plus, amazing films such as The Hunt for Red October, Doctor Strangelove, and the greatest film, that depicts the human spirit and the inherent unity in all of us, Rocky IV, show that there are endless stories to be told while examining that period of our history. Okay, so they're at dinner. Guess who's coming to dinner? Tereth is just digging into Troy. It's almost like she knows something is up. Tell me, Major, where did you train? The Intelligence Academy or the Imperial War College? This episode makes it clear the Tal Shiar are not at all loved in Romulan society. But Tereth has a real axe to grind. Before we find out about that, though, she continues to show she's a leader that leads by example. I destroyed their flagship myself. And heavily relies on trust. Military officers have to trust each other. We've talked about that a few times on this podcast and will absolutely continue to. Trust is one of, if not the key to effective leadership. When you trust your staff, it allows them to demonstrate their full potential. And, and isn't that what you want? Don't you want people to be able to perform at their best? Well, trust. Trust is what makes that happen. If your teams trust you, they will listen to what you have to say. When you have to deliver bad news, they will listen to you and more likely than not, Receive it well, well, at least as well as they, they can. As we'll see later in this episode, when you're in trouble, they will stand by your side. Well, of course they'll stand. <laughs> Remember, no chairs on the bridge. In this moment, Tereth uses the concept of trust as her context for her explanation of her hatred for the Tal Shiar. How did the Tal Shiar protect the Empire? By dragging him, my father, out of his home in the middle of the night. Troy sees this as her opportunity. She doubles down on her role, leaving absolutely no doubt that she is the real deal. Clearly, your father was a traitor. They meet the mercenary freighter, and things just aren't right. Troy can sense that they're being deceptive. She tells Navek they're lying, and he immediately blows the freighter up. Tereth freaks out. I demand an explanation. She puts the blame on Rakal, and rightly so. She makes this a tall Shi'ar issue. Tereth confirms there were 18 people on that freighter. I don't care if there were 18 or 800. On this ship, I give the command to fire, Major. You have no right to This come. gives me the right! She sees this as an absolute mindless waste of lives, and this is not how the Romulan military would conduct business. Oh, I am absolutely loving Tereth. She's courageous. She knows what she believes in. Based on what we've learned of the Tal Shiar, she's willing to die for it. Oh, imagine having a leader like her. 
She's someone that would never ask a person to do something she was not willing to do herself. She's been there. She has gotten through it and now is leading you through it. She's adding so much depth and complexity to the Romulan culture. This is great. What I, what I don't want you to hear in this, though, is that you as a leader have to be able to do all the jobs of the people that report to you. You are the leader. That is your job. Let them do theirs. The point here isn't that Tareth or, or you have done everything your team has done or will do. The point is she's willing, and you should also be willing to be there with them. Do not leave them on their own. This makes me think, clash of the leadership styles. In this corner, you have Jeff Aiken. He's a leader that is going to stand with you and support you as you do the hard things that are part of your job. In the opposing corner, Vince McMahon. Yeah, the WWE dude. He's a former ECW and WWF champion. He won those titles by getting in the ring and doing what the people that work for him do. He put his body on the line just like they do. He also sleeps like four hours a night, works out endlessly, and demands that his people hold themselves to those same standards. Then there's Jeff. Jeff works late nights and weekends to be available to his project teams as they work through a difficult phase. He walks into executive's office and takes the blame for missteps by his team. He publicly calls out success that the members of his team have had. And your winner! Yeah, it's me. Well, honestly, look, there's something to be said for both styles. I mean, if I was asking for someone to lie on the ground while a 265-pound person leapt off a rope five feet above them and drove their elbow into their chest... Well, yeah, maybe there's some value in taking some of those lumps too. And a lot more value if uh, you were to do it in a way that, you know, kept the spotlight shining on the people that actually do that for a living. But what the people want is what Tareth demonstrates here. No one on that ship has any love for Major Recall or the Tall Shiar, and she's putting herself directly between her crew and this evil they must tolerate. After destroying the mercenary ship, they cloak and hold position as Troy storms off. The Enterprise reaches the coordinates Deceva sent them to. There's nothing. Picard interrogates Deceva. He still maintains his calm demeanor, but with the slightest edge to his voice. He allows Deceva space to answer the questions. He's able to learn more about the freighter they're chasing, and it gives him a manageable search radius. Picard feels betrayed, though, when learning this new information. He's confused why Deceva didn't just volunteer it in the first place. Why didn't you mention this earlier? He tells Picard that living among Romulans for so long has taught him not to volunteer any information. Picard doesn't know the scope of everything he's involved in at this point. All he knows is that he has a returning defector on board that claims a connection to Spock. He would be completely justified in using much more aggressive tactics to get the information he needs. No, not the buttons! Not my gumdrop buttons! All right then, who's hiding them? Instead, he listens. He's clear based on his body language and the tone of his voice with his feelings on the matter, but he doesn't make it about himself. What's important is the information. If this is truly from Spock, he knows it's important. The trust he has in Spock, based both on his reputation and Picard's personal experience with him, 
fuels his need and drive to carry out the mission Deceva has shared with him. And his focus is on doing exactly that. He could push Deceva. He could prove that, that, that Picard and the Federation are right and the Romulans are wrong. He could succumb to Worf's ongoing reminder that Deceva is a traitor. Captain, he could be leading us into a trap. But, but it's not about any of that. Right now, in these moments, it's about the information and the mission. Picard approaches Deceva with, with, with emotional intelligence. He's listening. He's asking clarifying questions without a loaded agenda. And in that, he not only gets the info he needs, but also allows Deceva to share some of his trauma from his time with the Romulans, possibly making him a much more valuable asset to the Federation. He ends the discussion by making it clear Deceva needs to be more forthcoming, and then they head onto the bridge to begin the search. Shocking, right? In a four-minute scene, Picard puts on an absolute masterclass on getting information and strengthening trust. Troy and Novak meet in the cargo hold, and Troy straight loses it. She lays into him for murdering those 18 people. He admits that the plan has completely collapsed. Our plan has collapsed. Our plan? What about the people on that freighter? Why did you fire? So now... They go to the contingency plan, and that's to divert to Draken 4. There's a Starfleet starbase there. Catch is, Troy has to provide the access codes to get there safely. She's feeling really trapped and, and doesn't see any other option. Man, Marina Sirtis is, is absolutely killing it. She doesn't get a lot of chances to shine on this show, unfortunately. But when she does, poof, she really does. Through that uncomfortable Romulan makeup, she's able to convey the carnival of emotions that she's experiencing. She knows more than Picard or the Enterprise knows about this mission. This, this is huge. She wants to make this happen, but the actions she's involved in, the ruse she's having to portray is weighing on her heavily. This has got to be one of the top Deanna Troy episodes in the entire series. So she puts on the recall face and tells Tareth what the deal is. She's harsh. She's cold and to the point. Tareth admits the Federation is neither weak nor foolish, and she is railing against this order. Troy, or recall, shares that she has the access codes to get them there safely. And then, <laughs> then she accuses Tareth of being a coward. Your cowardice does not befit a Romulan soldier. She stands up to recall, but orders the ship on its way. Just as they're getting ready to take off, the Enterprise shows up. Visible look of relief on Troy's face, but their appearance backs up everything that Troy has been telling Tareth. Tareth keeps her cool. She seeks out options and plans for an exit from the system. Over on the Enterprise, they confirm the freighter has been destroyed, and they believe it was Romulans. They go to a red alert and start looking for a cloaked vessel. Troy works with Navak to create a, a very minor imbalance in the warp core emissions. This uh, creates a magnetic trace that would be barely perceptible. And Troy tells him to proceed. On the theme of trust, this is another great example. She knows the Enterprise is out there. She knows exactly what they're capable of. She trusts that even the minor imbalance will be detected and that they'll be able to figure out what it is. And that's exactly what happens. Data detects the magnetic disturbance and Picard, along with the Seva, confirm it's likely a, a cloaked Romulan ship. 
the tie to the Hunt for the Red October shines here. It's just a submarine game. Right full rudder, reverse starboard engine. Right full rudder, hold fast starboard sound. Enterprise maneuvers in an exact intercept course, almost tipping their hand. Right now, both ships think they know what the other one is doing. Really courageous tactic by Tereth ends up confirming that the Enterprise can track them. Slow, intense, really exciting sequence and an inside look and, and feel from both sides of cloaked warfare or contemporary naval maneuvers when subs are involved. Tereth commands battle operations. As they begin to decloak, recall intercedes. She makes a compelling case for Tereth to step down and give up command. And she doesn't stop there. Recall threatens the crew's families if they don't support her. If any one of you defies the Tal Shiar, you will not bear the punishment alone. Your families, all of them, will be there beside you. They very, very begrudgingly comply. Even, even Nevek appears uncomfortable with this open betrayal by, by Troy or, or Recall. Recall takes the captain's spot and hails the Enterprise. Obvious shock and awe from the Enterprise crew. But Picard? Picard plays right along. She ends up offering to beam over to the Enterprise to negotiate through the situation. They drop shields, fully trusting her and assuming that she needs help. But Recall orders the Warbird to fire upon the Enterprise. Nevek fires the disruptors, but with almost no power, and beams the defectors straight onto the bridge. Troy ends up remaining on the Romulan ship. Now the ruse worked in that it got Mareth and his aides to the Federation, but it sure doesn't last. Tereth connects all the dots. She accuses Recall of being a traitor. I see two traitors in our midst. And one of her crew immediately vaporizes Nevek. Remember earlier when we talked about trust and the culture Tereth promoted? Well, here's where it pays off. They did the bare minimum to comply with Recall when she ordered Tereth to stand down, but that was under the threat of, of capture and torture of their families. The second that threat was moot, they came running to Tereth's aid immediately. She presses the issue and tries to get all the info from Troy, but Troy keeps her mouth shut. As the warbird cloaks and prepares to warp away, Picard has Troy beamed over. They were just waiting for the moment. Again, trust pays off. Dr. Crusher undoes the surgical efforts. Picard lets Deanna know that the operation was a success and that Mareth is deeply grateful. Now they anticipate many more defectors as a result of this operation. Troy explains that Nevek sacrificed himself for this and should be recognized. Picard agrees with her. Proconsul Mareth is deeply grateful for your help. The thanks should go to Nevek. He sacrificed himself to save them. And me. Not wanting a war to break out over this, Tereth continues to warp out even after Troy was beamed away, and the Enterprise escapes the scene at Warp 9. <coughs> what a great episode. We added depth and dimension to the Romulans and Deanna Troy. We explored a real-life, nearly real-time socio-political issue through the lens of science fiction, something Star Trek absolutely excels at. I really enjoyed it. This is the only time since the unification two-parter in season five, except for a really brief mention in the 2009 film, that Spock's work with the Romulans is even mentioned. And that's, a, that's a real shame. That was a, that was a brave and exciting storyline that they, they could have done so much more with. I mean, just 
Just imagine if there was a series with strife in the Romulan Empire. They could really explore the impacts of Spock's work there, the effects of Vice Proconsul Moret's defection. Ugh, only there was a series that involved the Romulans. Hmm. The Enterprise crew spend precious little time on screen in this one, but they really maximize that time. We see a highly functioning team solving complex problems. It's great. I was kind of struck, though, by just how comforting it was to see them. Having Troy and Romulan makeup and the uncomfortable design of the Romulan ship helped make the Enterprise and its crew feel comfortable and familiar. And on that, I, I think that's my only real gripe with the episode, out, outside of it living in a bubble when it could have influenced the entire franchise. The Romulan sets were, they were really bland. I can imagine they tried to make it look and feel different, which they did. But I think it looked and felt, well, cheap, half-hearted. There's an over-the-shoulder shot with uh, Tereth uh, standing in the captain's spot. She's looking at the view screen. And it, I mean, <laughs> just it looks like something I might have built out of cardboard boxes when I was 28. I mean, when I was nine years old. <clears throat> yeah. But I mean, it, it's not that bad. It's just not as good as it likely could have been. But seriously, let's talk about Troy and Tereth. Tereth was played by Carolyn Seymour. Oh, I'm a huge fan. Dr. Chakwas? How may I help you, Commander? I have a present for you, Doc. Ceres Ice Brandy? You didn't. <laughs> Thank you. I always regretted not opening that original bottle. Right? An accomplished actor with amazing and enviable voice credits. Knights of the Old Republic, Dragon Age, Gears of War, to name just a few. She's also a popular guest star in Star Trek, and, and understandably so. She and Troy are perfect adversaries. They begin with some subtlety, but it escalates masterfully. The dinner scene where Tereth shares what happened to her father is so good. It perfectly establishes her, Tereth, as the sympathetic character, and Troy, as recall, as the supervillain. And frankly, I cannot think of a better Troy episode. After this, there is no question about the value she brings to the Enterprise and Starfleet. Command codes verified. Quite a bit to talk about here, but really all following on the same theme, trust. Everything works in this episode because of trust. And when it falls apart, it's the lack of trust that causes that. Let's take the Picard de Seva piece first. He encounters someone that betrayed the Federation 20 years ago that claims to have valuable information. Picard has no reason to trust this person at all. DeSeven knows this and leverages a shared relationship to provide a foundation to trust. They both have worked with Spock. Like we talked about earlier, Picard seeks to understand. His goal is not to punish DeSeva or prove his authority. It is simply to understand the request of Spock and help as he's able to. We use this form of trust building all the time, right? Think about your, your LinkedIn profile. When someone requests a connection with you, you're a lot more likely to accept if they're a second-degree connection, or at least you're more likely to engage with them once you've connected because of your shared connection. Or how often do you introduce two people because of your relationship with them? Hey, Sarah, this is Isaiah. Isaiah is the, he's new to the company, but he really delivered on a recent project. Isaiah, Sarah's probably one of the best project managers we work with. I thought the two of you could really benefit from each other. 
Leveraging a shared relationship establishes a baseline for trust to form. Now, you have to continue to build on that, of course, and Deseva does a great job here. At one point, we learn he didn't share all the necessary info with Picard. Now, Picard could go straight to assuming the worst, accuse him of deception, but Deseva owns his mistake, and he explains why. He's honest, he's vulnerable. The foundation of trust that is built can, can grow quickly because of that. We talked quite a bit about Tereth and the trust that she engendered in her crew. We saw this pay off for her the moment Recall lost her power. And speaking of Recall, what a great example of the lack of trust. People sure followed her. Well, I mean, they, they did what she said, but they did it because of fear. And when they did, they did it halfway. Think about her command to arrest Tereth. Had they trusted her, had they believed in what she was doing, they would have taken her off the bridge and locked her up. Instead, they moved her about six feet to the left and kind of generally pointed their disruptors at her. At the first opportunity, everyone turned on recall. No trust leads to non-sustainable leadership. One of the coolest examples of trust in this whole episode, though, was entirely unspoken. The Kazara hails the Enterprise. Immediately, both Picard and Troy trust the other. They play their parts, and they're successful. If they didn't have bulletproof trust here, Picard likely would have faltered or, or maybe asked the wrong question. Instead, he trusted that she knew what she was doing, and she trusted Picard and the crew would do their absolute best to help solve the problem. Bottom line, the trust in this episode avoided an intergalactic war, it allowed dissidents to defect, and it got Troy back to the Enterprise safely. What did you think of this episode? What thoughts do you have on trust? Where have you had great successes because of it? Let me know. I'm on all of the social media at Jeff T. Aiken. Jeff T. as in trust, A-K-I-N. If you've enjoyed the Starfleet Leadership Academy, please share it with a friend or someone you think could benefit from it. Now, let's see what we are going to watch next time. Working. Oh, wow. The second episode of the fourth season of The Next Generation, Family. This is an emotional one. If you're watching episodes along with me, and especially if you are a listener who's not familiar with Star Trek, I strongly recommend watching both parts of The Best of Both Worlds before this one. It provides a ton of context. I am Locutus of Borg. Also, those are just great episodes to watch anyway, and you should probably watch them at every opportunity. And until then, ex astra scientia. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's just it? No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. Touchdown! On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? 
Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast. Electricast.